Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now it's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation, as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction, starring score baseball insider Bruce Levine and half of Chicago's number one sports morning show david haw on sports radio 670 the score and 670 the score.com and always live on the free odyssey app presented by bet rivers sportsbook good saturday morning chicago welcome inside the clubhouse on 670 the score and your free odyssey app broadcasting live from the hyundai score studios i am david haw along with bruce levine who's out in arizona talking baseball as we do every saturday morning ready to subsidize your weekend White Sox style with the latest from spring training as we wait for the Cubs to complete the roster. Good morning, Bruce. How's it going? It feels like baseball here, David. Obviously been here since uh, the beginning of spring training with the White Sox and Cubs sitting at Sloan Park, watching them getting the field ready here from the the 670 The Score and Cubs uh, radio booth here. So, I'm raring to go. I know there is a lot of uh, stuff out there that we want to get to. David, where do you want to start today? Well, let's fill out the lineup card so people know what's ahead first. We're going to have a great show full of good guests. Mike Soroka, the Sox new pitcher, got uh, obtained from the Braves in the offseason. He'll join us at the bottom of the hour, 930-ish. And hopefully Nico Horner, the Cubs second baseman, gold glove winner, will join us at 10 o'clock. We'll have some chin music in there along the way. We have a lot to get to from both sides of camp in Arizona. Bruce Glendale with the White Sox, Mesa with the Cubs. There's a big news here locally with the White Sox latest in their South Loop project. But I want to begin just with you setting the scene. You've been there all week on both sides. You have heard from Pedro, why not us, Grafol, and Craig, I'm not the old guy counsel. I wonder what your biggest takeaway was from week one. Pitchers and catchers reporting on Wednesday. What do you think, Bruce? What's going on? Well, uh, just the incompleteness of the feel for everybody here. Uh, it, normally, there, there's that feeling of, you know, go, go, go. And, and, and really, it still feels incomplete on both the south and the north side. When you go to Glendale and you talk to people and the, the subject matter begins with Dylan Cease. And when you come here, the subject matter begins and ends with Cody Bellinger. So there's that there's that tentativeness. Uh, there's great you know excitement about starting. Everybody feels really good about where they're at. But the incompleteness of both teams and the uneasiness of whether Cease is going to be around much longer. We'll get into more of that depth uh, with Baltimore losing two pitchers this week in their announcement. And then uh, and Bellinger is still you know, out there and no other teams really being attached to him. That uh, that causes uh, some angst to uh, Cub fans, Cub front office, people in Chicago. 
and and maybe even more so with Scott Boros and uh, and Cody Bellinger himself. I think that's a good way to put it. There's a lot of angst. There is some uneasiness in both camps because you look at the Cubs. No news is bad news. There's nothing to report on Cody Bellinger. We haven't heard from him. We haven't heard from Boris. It seems like it's a stare down between Jed Hoyer and Scott Boris. And all you can do is hope if you're a Cub fan. With the White Sox, meanwhile, you've got the Dylan C situation that does kind of hover over everything else at Sox camp because of what you reported on 670score.com and what you just alluded to. The Orioles found out this week that two of their starting pitchers won't be ready for opening day. That changes the context of their needs because that is a World Series contender we're talking about in Baltimore. And certainly as active as they were in making a move with the Brewers and and supplementing their staff, they could always use an ace. You never have enough pitching, and you wonder, because of how rich their farm system is, if that will shift their focus and say, okay, Let's talk Chris Getz. Maybe we can make a deal by opening day. You know, I I think when you look at the Baltimore Orioles, David, you have to look at the White Sox, and that has to be an example for other teams out there. When you think you have a window of two or three years and you don't really push through it and you just sit back, I think it's a mistake. Look look what happened to the White Sox in that supposed four-year window that they were going to have of competing every year with the players they put together. Everybody thought they had the right young players, they brought in the right veterans, they had everything going, and then it just blew up in their face. So maybe the Orioles, other teams look at that and go, we, we better pounce when we have a chance to win the World Series. And you know, David, they're going to have new ownership coming in there right away now in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they'd like nothing more than to start filling up Camden Yards again the way it was back in the uh, mid-90s when uh, they first built that ballpark. So uh, there's a lot of good reasons why there's a match between the, the Chicago White Sox and Baltimore. And while the Orioles still are legit World Series contenders, I'm not sure what the Cubs are in Mesa, Bruce, as they report full squad reports this week. Pitchers, catchers already there, as you know. I'm waiting. I think we're all waiting for them to maybe pick a lane. I thought they declared. I thought hiring Craig Council pretty much announced them as contenders in 2024. I don't know that the roster reflects that. I don't know if the offseason activity reflects that. But I do think that there's still time. And this is what I want you to react to. We heard from Jed Hoyer earlier this week when he met with the media. And, you know, he was under the weather. He sounded maybe a little fed up as well. But I do think he was trying to remind people there still is time. The roster still is incomplete. And they still can fill in some of the gaps that remain I don't think we're ever going to feel you know complete you know in my 20 plus years I've never gotten to a place where I felt like uh, you just kind of turn it over to the manager and, and like you know went and played golf and that's not how this, this thing works you know I think that we're always going to be looking for upgrades um, both now and and all season long and that's what that's that's our job um, yeah I'm excited about where we are as an organization uh, I think that we have a lot of good young veteran players on the team. I think we have uh, a ton of young talent. And um, I'm probably more excited for this spring than most springs just because we have so much young talent in camp. And that's what's really you know fun in this job is watching those guys play, watching those guys develop. You know, young players, young talent, that's that's where the game is right now. That's the currency of, of baseball. And um, you know, that's the part of our, the organization that gives me the, uh, the most confidence. And I'm, I'm excited to watch those guys every day this spring. What would you think, Bruce? 
Well, he went on to talk a little bit about the fact that they're in contact with agents and free agents uh, of those uh, agents every day, and that they're they're still not sitting back on their uh, hunches and, and and maybe just feeling like uh, just like the fans and the media do that you know that next move is still out there. So as much as he talks about the minor leagues and and look, for the first time in maybe. 20 years, people are looking at the Cubs organization and going, yeah, that's that's a good-looking group of players. They're players that we want in our organization. It took forever for that to happen uh, this time around for the Cubs. But there's that discomfort you feel when you say, okay, opening day lineup is Pete Crow Armstrong in center field and Michael Bush at first base. Okay? Yeah, that sounds like first the day. Iowa Cubs opening day lineup. Yeah, it, but, but again... Uh, it's it's predicated on the fact, David, I think that people don't trust guys that come through the Cub organization, okay? There's that tendency. And maybe it's all 30 teams, but here you get the feeling like, oh, no, you know, here we go. Is this Corey Patterson? Is this Gary Scott? You know, is, is this Matt Mervis from last year? Are we really seeing legitimate guys that can go in there and help us contend in 2024? I just don't see how when Pakoda releases its projections this week, and isn't that always a lot of fun? But when you look at the Cubs, how in the world do you know? What are you projecting based on what? Bellinger? With Bellinger, without Bellinger? They're two very different teams. One guy can make that big of a difference in extending the lineup, in filling in a defensive void. All the things that come with Cody Bellinger in your lineup, they're two different directions, Bruce, and I think that's why – it feels like you're in a state of limbo. You're in a state of flux if you're a Cub fan because you are excited. Uh, pitchers and catchers report the four best words in baseball. And then you're like, yeah, what does that mean? What are we looking forward to? I, are we looking forward to this? Because you just said it. If there are two rookies in the opening day lineup, I don't know how excited I am about this season. If I'm, I'd love the possibility, but I'd rather be more sure of what I'm going to watch. You know, and, and it's interesting. The Cubs were, I think, in sixth in, in runs scored last year. But if you take away those double-digit um, games that they had, which were a lot of them, it was about four runs per game, actually. So it, the reality is, is, was their offense as good as they think it is? And uh, to your point, how good is it without Bellinger? Can Bush and Armstrong make up for, I mean, really, they got nothing out of first base when Bellinger was, unless Bellinger was there last year. That, that was a zero that they were getting there offensively, mostly defensively as well. But can Armstrong and Bush bring a different offensive dynamic to the team that, uh, that continues to have them in the 800-run uh, area after the, the, the season is over with? That's that's the key, but the concentration uh, from Hoyer and from Hawkins are mo- is mostly on pitching, okay? And uh, I- I'm with them. I mean, uh, you know, I believe that 75, 80% of the game is, you know, about your starting pitching, your bullpen. They've solidified both. Um, some people will say maybe not really because you're, you're trading Stroman off for Imanaga, okay? Is that a wash, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, you didn't get anything out of uh, Stroman at the end of last year, so uh, hopefully Imanaga is an upgrade. You know, offensively, 
you know, are, are, are you uh, going to be better just because of the progression of the, the improvement of some of your players? Uh, we saw at the end of last year, Suzuki being one of the best offensive players in the game the last two months. Will that continue on? Uh, th- there's a lot of question marks. Will Gomes have that kind of year? So I, I think the, the Cubs are down at least one offensive player. But in their minds, it's like, hey, it might be PCA's time. It might be Bush's time to help take over, add left-handed power, add speed, add defense. We'll, we'll see how it shakes out. Uh, again, somehow, some way, I think Bellinger still ends up with the Chicago Cubs. I think so, too. We'll wait and see if that happens. Continue to talk Cubs, Nico Horner, at 10 o'clock, Bruce. But we want to get to one of the biggest developments in the White Sox South Loop project that came Friday. I don't know if you want to call it a Friday news dump. Crane Chicago business was all over this as it has continued to be. But it's the kind of story that I would dump on a Friday if I were the White Sox. Just saying. Because the headline is, or the lead to this story is, Jerry Reinsdorf is preparing to ask Governor J.B. Pritzker and other state leaders for, wait for it, roughly $1 billion in public money to build his team a new home in the South Loop. Now, this, the story did not exactly include the exclamation points that I applied to the $1 billion in public money, but it could have and nobody would have been shocked or surprised. Bruce, I understand why the White Sox want to build on the 78 patch of land in the South Loop. I have been in favor of all of those ideas and what that can do to revitalize a franchise that needs revitalization. But this is a non-starter in my book. I don't think I'm alone. I know I'm not alone. Goodness sakes, look at social media. One billion dollars. Well, it's not coming out of your pocket. It doesn't matter. It's the absurdity of the of the ask, Bruce. No, 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 no. no. Wait, let me finish. I will because we have two hours. Two. It's going to be long ones. It's going to feel like three, Bruce. By the time I'm done with you. All right. No, seriously. Let's get back to this. This is what bothers me, Bruce. It isn't my money. It isn't. It is a. It's a public money though. And while neither you know the the ISFA will get involved, and there's tax increment financing district that is. There's a lot of complicated complex levers you can pull to make this happen absolutely but in good conscience i can't sit here and say yay team build the park i love the view they're gonna be able to win a pennant now because all of this stuff the way they're maneuvering seems to me at first glance like it's money that is coming out of the chicago budget that could be spent on other things and you have a billionaire asking for a billion dollars in subsidies. I don't I mean, understand. Are you talking about the Bears or the White Sox? Both. Oh, okay. Both. Don't, don't worry, Bruce. This is a different show. Monday morning, 5.30. You want to see what I hear, what I have to think about the Bears and Kevin Warren asking it's for the same thing? I'll tell because, you. Because the battle, David, is actually between the Bears and the White Sox at this point. I know. I, I described yeah. it earlier in the week. It's a virtual sprint to the finish line. Jerry Reinsdorf racing Kevin Warren, lane one, lane two. Who can get to that money first? Because the calendar expires on December 31st, that little clause that allows you to get all these bonds that they're going to get to pay for these, these projects. It's a race to the, to the finish line. And I just it, don't like the race. I don't like any of it. Well, 
what city in the United States, what big city in the United States needs a promotional and economic shot in the arm more than the Chicago than Chicago does, David? What city needs its image to change? What city needs to be able to promote something new and exciting more than Chicago and this project, this 78 project that could be, that has everybody excited except about spending the money to do it. So you're, when people talk about spending money to do it, sure, there's funds that could go to the, the city of Chicago. They, they could, it could be used in other ways. But this money isn't going back to the taxpayer, okay? Whatever money that's going to be out there, it's going to go to some other area for improvements in Chicago. That's for sure. I, want, I, I think you're making good points, Bruce. I understand where you are coming from. What is Jerry Reinsdorf's stake in this? What is he contributing to this? Those are things we still don't know. I would have led with that. I don't know that I would have led with floating the idea that you're asking for a billion dollars in public subsidies because you're trying to improve the state of the city. That's lame. There's, there's no tax increases at this point for any of this, David. This is like 2% money that's basically dormant right now that's a tax on hotels, okay? A lot of that is, uh, I would say 95, 97% is coming from out of town. You're okay? right, you're right. And, I and, and what, what, can increase, what can increase that 2% more and give them more, more money coming into the coffers than a, a, a designated new area in Chicago for people to say, you know what? Why don't we, instead of going to Las Vegas this year, why don't we have our convention in Chicago? What's coming out of Reinsdorf's pocket? That's what I want to know. That's what well, I don't well, know. Well, well, That's what I need all, to know. Why would, you, why would you care? Because I care, Bruce, because every dollar that you're taking in a public subsidy is a dollar that could be committed to another priority. That's a greater priority than a baseball stadium. Why, That's why. Why would you say the same thing about the Bears? Because I am saying the same thing about the Bears. The Bears aren't entitled to that money either. Shame on them for asking. Okay. It's a $6 billion corporation. They can afford to pony up for a building. They don't okay. need to ask somebody to reach into their pockets or use money they're already spending on taxes for their own well-being and so they can become even better billionaires. No, thank you. Neither guy's entitled to it. No, thank you. They can stumble at the, at, at the start of that race to the finish line. I don't care what Kevin Warner and Jerry Reinsdorf, how important and big and powerful they are. They're not entitled to that kind of public money, not that big of an ask. We have, Bruce, two of the more we have two of the more useless stadiums in uh, the United States with Soldier Field and uh, with uh, the 35th Street guaranteed rate, okay? They're useless. They're nice. Look, guaranteed rate's a nice ballpark, okay? It's in the wrong place. People don't want to travel there at night, okay? They don't want to be able to, to, uh, to figure out how to come home on public transportation at night from there. That limits them so much. We, we've been through these conversations a million times. The reality is it takes money to make money. It takes beautiful areas and new exciting places in cities to draw people to that city so uh, that it becomes the city that it once was and should be again. That's Chicago, Illinois. 
We will get back to this. We will talk about this some more. Bruce, you are better for me on a Saturday morning than caffeine and a double espresso. (laughs) Thank you very much. I love the conversation. We're going to continue it. But Mike Soroka is available. We're going to talk to the White Sox new pitcher next on Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 the score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Yeah, it's, it's exciting. Um, you know, when it, when it first happened, uh, obviously there's lots of emotions leaving a, a team that drafted you and um, you know, I've been with them for eight or nine seasons, and um, but moving to an organization that, that really wanted me out there uh, was really important to me. So um, immediately, kind of talked to the pitching staff and uh, what they had for me, and they're they're excited to get me out there, and uh, I'm even more excited to be out there. We're back with more inside the clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. And always live on the free Odyssey app presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Thank you for joining us on this chilly Saturday morning in Chicago. David Haw, Bruce Levine until 11 o'clock inside the clubhouse at Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Now joining us on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline is new White Sox right-hander Michael Soroka, CircaLasVegas.com. Good morning, Michael. Thank you for joining us. How are you this morning? Morning, guys. I'm great. How are you? Doing well. We really appreciate your time. We know it's busy this week, as pitchers and catchers have reported. Uh, What do you think of Glendale, and how's the first week gone for you? I love it. I love Arizona. uh, I grew up coming down here for baseball tournaments since I was 10 or 11 years old. Uh, this is kind of our place from Calgary, Alberta, to come down to. It was a little easier than getting to the East Coast. And uh, obviously been in uh, Florida every year uh, professionally, and now we're getting the chance to be over here. I, uh, I like it a lot. It's a good place to get some work in, and, um, you know, it's been beautiful so far. So hopefully that continues. Michael, we talked a little bit about, you know, your trek uh, when I was uh, with you at the Boys and Girls Club in Chicago, and then in Glendale the other day uh, when uh, media was first let in to talk to you guys. And uh, it it seems like it's a whole new world for you. Uh, Can you describe the feeling of being in a new organization after being, uh, you know, with the Atlanta Braves and the the opportunities that you feel uh, right now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Like I mentioned before, this was my first move. So this is my first change of scenery, first time learning a whole bunch of new faces and names. And it's, it's exciting. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of people that are in the same uh, same sort of shoes that I am this spring. Um, you know, a lot of people, like I've mentioned before, that are, are working to uh, have a career year. You know, a lot of guys that uh, I think have a lot to give, and I'm one of them. But um, it's been, you know, a little bit of turnover from what I understand here as well. I think there's, there's a lot of new faces on the staff side. Um, and one of those that they've brought in is Brian Bannister. And We've already got to work in uh, in a bullpen yesterday and um, saw some good things and, and tried some new things. So um, a lot of it uh, I'm very excited about. They kind of had a plan for me right when I got over. Um, you know, they, it wasn't just kind of a, we're going to take you out there and, and just let you go play. It was, 
you know, we see a path and, and you know, I've been on a, a certain path of my own for the last year and a half or so um, in making sure that I get the most out of myself um, and, and, you know, learning a lot of things. There's, there's just so much in this game, uh, so many people that, that you can be with and, and get to help, you know, get you to where you want to be. And uh, I think uh, Chicago's got all those people for me. So, Michael, you've been through a lot. And 2019, you burst onto the scene 13-4. and You're runner-up in the Rookie of the Year voting to Pete Alonzo. And things take a turn when, when injuries hit. And they were unfortunate, and you persevered. And here you are in Chicago. Just curious, how difficult was it to endure those injuries, one after another, because you dealt with several? And how healthy are you as you begin the White Sox phase of your career? Yeah, I think most importantly, I'm, I'm very healthy now. Um, you know, it, it takes time when, when you are coming back. Um, you know, a lot of people say it, you know, it even takes a full year after you've been out for that kind of time. Um, and that was my year yet last year to kind of be able to just go out there and uh, pick up a ball and, and compete again and, and break through some mental scar tissue, if you will. Um, so this year, I'm in a, in a completely different place than I was last spring. Um, and that's that's very exciting to me. It's it's feeling more like myself, um, you know, more like the competitor that that I was right when I got hurt for the first time. Um, you know, it's it's a difficult thing, and I think the hardest thing for me was, you know, not taking resentment to the field every single day as to why, you know, things didn't go like they were supposed to. Um, you know, I, I've I've said before when you break into the league at at 20 and you have immediate success, um, you kind of get used to the thought about, you know, that just being reality. And, and you know, it's not like I, I could have done too much to prevent uh, what had happened. Um, but, you know, you kind of wonder why you, right? And, and getting out of that headspace to, to understand that a lot of people go through issues, whether it's Tommy John's, whether it's shoulder, shoulder surgeries, back, um, there's a lot of guys that go through their fair share of issues. Um, you know, and somebody that was good for me was uh, Charlie Morton. Um, he's been through his fair share of issues, and he got to work th- through those when in his Pittsburgh days. And I uh, got to the point where he kind of figured out how to throw and not get hurt, and then performance kind of came right behind it. So um, I've kind of been on that path the last year and a half to make sure I can be out there and compete. And uh, I think we're uh, we're getting there. And uh, I'm excited to go do just that. You know, Michael, you alluded to uh, Brian Bannister, the director of pitching for the Chicago White Sox organization. And I, I saw something I have never seen in spring training, and that is Ethan Katz is a pitching coach. He's certainly uh, well thought of, and he's in charge of the pitchers. But it was Bannister that was working with each pitcher and talking to them at length in between uh, the times they threw uh, talking about grips, talking about different ideas. Uh, how different is that for you? And uh, is it something that uh, you were surprised at initially coming into White Sox camp to see Brian being so proactive in uh, each pitcher's development this spring? Yeah, I don't think I was surprised to see him being proactive, but um, you know, it is a little bit different. I think typically you come into camp, you're just trying to get those pitches under you, but a lot of times, I mean, 30, 40 pitches for me in a bullpen can go by pretty quickly unless we're taking our time with, with you know, what exactly we're trying to accomplish. Um, and I think that's 
where his talent and and his knowledge lies the best is you know with pitch design and and pitch shaping and making sure that we're getting the absolute most out of the way that we individually release a, a baseball um you know i get two bullpens before my two lives and if we're going to try anything this is the time you know this is the time to figure out if if you know these things that he's done his research on. He's he's found each and every one of us, and you know has areas that he thinks we can improve with. You know, could be just a simple grip change, could be um, the way something's rolling off a finger. Um, you know, and that's that's exciting because sometimes it is just one little adjustment away from having a pitch be just useful to elite. Um, and and ultimately, I'm I'm very receptive to that and. Uh, it may make my job a lot easier if uh, the pitch profiles is elite. That's for sure. I'll be able to, you know, have a lot more margin for error with certain things. So, um, yeah, this is the time to do that kind of stuff, and and we're very, very, very happy to have him. Joined for a couple more minutes by White Sox right-hander Michael Soroka here on Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score. So, Michael, you go come from an organization that reported every February, expecting to compete for a World Series. You join a franchise that is struggling right now. Don't need to tell you that. Coming off a 101-loss season. I think, number one, what does that do to your psyche in the offseason as you prepare for such a dramatic change? And secondly, is there anything that your experience in Atlanta can help you make your surroundings in the clubhouse in Chicago better or more conducive to winning? Yeah, look, I think, uh, you know, the experience that I draw on the most is honestly uh, the, the first couple of years I got called up. Um, you know, inside that clubhouse, obviously, we knew the team that we had, but the year I got called up, um, I'm not sure how many games the Braves lost in 2017, um, but I, I know it was, I think it was more than more than they won, that was for sure. And um, that year we were not supposed to contend. Um, and then that team won the pennant in 18, and it wasn't too much different going into 19 as well. And you know, there there are are times when that team. I mean, even in 2021 when they won the whole thing, I believe we were 10 and a half games back in May, and you know the Mets were the heavy favorite. Um, you know, they'd made some moves in the off season, had had kind of stacked a roster, and um, you know there was a lot of there was a lot of times where we were not picked and we had to kind of prove that wrong. And I think that's the exact same thing that this, this ball club's in. Um, I said it before, I think there's a lot of people that uh, have had some really good years in this game uh, and know it's still in there. And, and it's a matter of piecing it all together. And uh, I think that the, the attitude that's been taken in camp so far is, um, you know, has been gritty. Uh, and I, I love playing on teams like that, teams that, that understand that they've got work to do, um, you know, and, and are just focused on going out there and playing the game hard the right way. Uh, I think things tend to fall in place. So um, I think uh, this team's got something to prove, and, uh, you know, look, we're looking forward to doing that. During your professional career, moving up to the major leagues from the minor leagues, how essential have you found catchers to be and uh, how, how good is it going to be to have uh, somebody like uh, Maldonado and Stassi to throw to this year? Where, where, does, that, where does that count for uh, Mike Soroka? 
yeah, I don't think you can really put a price on that, to be honest with you. I think it's it's one of the intangibles that I don't think that there are necessarily analytics for. Um, and catcher experience is, is so important um, to a pitching staff. I, I got called up, and uh, the first guys I was throwing to were, were Kurt Suzuki, uh, Tyler Flowers, and uh, Brian McCann, um, three guys with a, with a ton of knowledge and a, and a ton of experience, and I, I learned a ton from them uh, just by being out there. Um, they're not afraid to stray from the scouting report when they see something different, um, and they're very, very good at the, the competition aspect of baseball. And uh, We can do our homework all we want on analytics and percentages of, of pitches and, and which quadrants to throw to, um, but sometimes the game changes, and having a veteran catcher uh, like Martin and, and like Max um, are going to be able to pick pick up on that pretty quickly and, and switch a game plan. So um, I think that's invaluable. And, you know, obviously with this team uh, putting an emphasis on defense, um, obviously it's, it's going to be my job to keep the ball over the plate and, and let them work. Michael, before we let you go, got to ask you this. You grew up in Calgary. How hard was it for you to stay off the ice and go to hockey? And do you realize you're coming to a city where Connor Bedard rules? I do. I am where I am, very aware. <laughs> um, obviously, I, I spent a good portion of my uh, upbringing thinking I was going to be in the NHL. Um, you know, the Flames made it to the Stanley Cup Finals when I was five or six years old, and that kind of took off. And this was actually what resulted in me wanting to be a goaltender, and ultimately why I ended up hanging the skates up. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it was it was a time where, yeah, obviously hockey ruled, and but what, what really kind of shifted me over was I didn't want to give up my summers playing baseball to do power skating and, uh, you know, hockey skill camps because I was enjoying baseball too much. Uh, it got to the point where I, I had to pick one or the other, and um, if I wanted to be what I knew I could be in either sport, um, you know, 14, 15 kind of asks you to, to take a pick, so... Uh, I picked baseball, and uh, I think I, I picked right. I, I enjoy it every single day. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. Um, it doesn't matter if I'm throwing, taking ground balls, uh, hitting in the cages. I don't don't get to do that as much anymore, but uh, nevertheless, it's uh, it's a game I love, and, and I'm very, very lucky to do it every day. Hockey's loss is the White Sox's gain. Michael, it's been a pleasure talking with you this morning, getting to know you. Look forward to talking again. Thank you guys so much for having me. Michael Soroka, new White Sox right-hander, joining us here on Inside the Clubhouse. Bruce, really, really good uh, guy, seems like, and a good addition to that clubhouse. If he can stay healthy, he can make an impact. He's got to stay healthy. Well, I hope he makes an impact for a number of reasons, including the selfish one, that he's so articulate and interesting to talk to that I see the, the leadership qualities in that clubhouse for him as well as a sports radio future for him as well. So. Where does he slide in? Number two? Is he the second most reliable starter if he can stay healthy behind Dylan Cease? It's, it's really hard to say. I mean, you know, take your pick. Is it Eric Fetty coming over from 20 wins in Korea? Is it Michael Kopech having to reach the pinnacle at some point of his career? Is this, you know, knowing that this might be the last chance for him to be a starting pitcher? I... I don't know. I, I would say just from his pedigree, David, if he's healthy, he is. He's that guy. All right, we want to hear from you. We were talking earlier before Michael Soroka about the White Sox's plan 
in the South Loop at the 78 with the Crane's report about the billion dollars in subsidies that Jerry Reinsdorf plans to ask J.B. Pritzker about moving forward. We can talk about that if you want, 312-644-6767. Maybe you have a reaction to the bright, young right-hander for the White Sox, Michael Soroka, who you just heard. Or maybe you just want to yell at Bruce. Whatever you want to do, we're here for you. Inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. And always live on the free Odyssey app presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Welcome back, David Haw, Bruce Levine, till 11 o'clock on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score, 312-644-6767. Get your phone calls in a second. Bruce, what was your overall reaction to Michael Soroka? And just how he acknowledged the fact that he's in a clubhouse full of guys who have a lot to prove. And I think he fits right into that category. Well, you know, one of the things I really like about Soroka is coming over from a, a world championship team and a, and a uh, <clears throat> individual and a organization that expects to win. Okay. Not hopes to win, but expects to win. Uh, I don't think that can be necessarily taught, David. It has to be experienced, and, and he brings that with him. W- with any health whatsoever, you know, this guy's going to be hopefully a, a great find for the Chicago White Sox. Injuries have certainly kept him down, but you pointed out in the interview, 13 wins back in 19, one of the uh, top rookies in the game, and everything says star pitcher about this guy other than the fact that injuries have kept him down. Let's see if the White Sox get some luck this time around and Soroka goes right into that rotation. Score listener line is powered by BetQL. Smarter bets start with BetQL. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. Let's start the conversation with Mike, our friend in Glencoe. Good morning, Mike. Welcome inside the clubhouse. Good morning, fellows. What a great interview, and there's no question that a guy like Soroka could be a, a great addition to the clubhouse. And you've got to go out and pick up, take flyers on guys like him, like uh, Fetty, like Claxon, uh, uh, or whatever the heck the guy's name is, and uh, people like that. Maybe not so much Kopech, but where the problem is, and I think that really hasn't been discussed enough, is uh, Jerry Reinsdorf is giving us a rotation of entirely all those guys. And if Cease is traded, you're looking at a starting pitching staff that includes total bust-outs, failures, a guy like uh, Soraka is trying to make it back. I think, Bruce, he's been out for three years. Uh, you've got a guy in, in Claxton who's been DFA twice in a season, that he's had no success in the majors. Again, I think it's fine to pick up guys like that because the chance that you'll hit big, you know, look at Esteban Loaiza, whoever thought that guy would be any good. Uh, but to make a rotation of those people, I think, I guess, if I'm Chris Getz, I'm finding Wilbur Wood's phone number in Boston and seeing if he's still got a few miles left in his arm because you can't go into a season this way. What do you guys think? Thanks, Mike. Nice dated reference to Wilbur Wood. What do you think, Bruce? Look, David, uh, I can make White Sox fans feel better by saying that Willie Mays Hayes has also been signed by the Chicago White Sox. So everything is going to be fine. I, I get it. Look, uh, it, it is about uh, guys that you hope can find their way back to the major leagues and the quality that they were. Uh, you, you hope that they, they, they are. 
you hope that the White Sox have obtained some young players that can be very good. And you hope even more, my wish for them, as much as I love Dylan Cease, is that you get three really good players for Dylan Cease at some point this year. Now, I've been on record from early, maybe mid-December, saying I didn't think there was a chance that the heat that Cease ended up with the team opening day. I'm probably going to look stupid at this point. Not the first time, as you know, David. <laughs> uh, but the fact remains. No comment. They're not going to I'll give him away. Later. They're not going to give him away. And the, the fact, this was all predicated. My, my theory on why he would be traded early is that I thought that uh, Snell and Montgomery would be gone by now. They thought their plan was to wait for, for Snell and Montgomery to be removed, top pitchers in the free agent market, and then they would get optimum amount for C's. That hasn't transpired as of yet. The, 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 the market is six weeks behind. Mm-hmm. And if it continues that way, maybe Cease is the opening day starter for the Chicago White Sox. There, there just is an awful lot of angst when you have a guy that you're planning on trading at some point, and there's no doubt about that. I get it. And the, uh, and the risk of injury. Let me try to connect the dots here between two of these stories we're talking about this morning because – there's a lot of cease fatigue about the trade speculation, and I get it, and I promote it, and we talk about it regularly on the Mullen Haw Show every morning, 5.30 to 10. Bruce, I think the Dylan Cease is on the market. Why? He's a 28-year-old ace. People object to that term ace, but he is their ace. He was runner-up in the Cy Young Award at 27. He's a ace-caliber pitcher. He's the kind of guy the White Sox, frankly, in Chicago – should be locking up long-term. There should be yeah. maybe nine figures in his contract. Jerry yeah. Reinsdorf never has done that. Can't. Never, never Can't has. anyway. Re- What's Can't. that? You, Cannot, you, no matter who the owner is. Why? Why? The guy's name is Scott Boris. Okay, wait a second. I'm just saying, theoretically, you're never going to sign Dylan Cease to a contract because you're not willing to go that high in your bidding. And the frustration that some people feel to tie our two stories together in this quest for public subsidies that's going to be $1.2 billion in the ask, the frustration, part of it lies, Bruce, in the fact that this is not an owner that has spent and reached deep into his own pockets to put a winner on the field. A, A franchise that has never written a $100 million contract has some gall to ask oh, for $1.2 billion in subsidies from public they're subsidies. One, you mean they're the one team that hasn't made a $100 million mistake? Is no, that no, saying? no, no, oh, no. Oh, I, I thought that's what I heard no, you say. No, that's not what you heard. You heard you're, 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 what you're saying is Jerry Reinsdorf is too cheap to be the owner of a major league franchise in 2020. You said it. Okay. No, no, I, I understand. I'm I not, agree I'm with that. Gonna, I'm, I'm not arguing with you. I'm just... I'm clarifying what you're saying. That's the headline of this show. Bruce okay. Bales on Reinsdorf. No, well, whatever you want it to be. But the reality is, is that um, spending a hundred million dollars is not the panacea for having a, a championship caliber team. Okay, that is not that is not the end all. Devil's advocate, all. Bruce. The Cubs are waiting on Cody Bellinger. Why? It makes them a championship caliber team. Why? Because he's worth 
over $100 million that you're ready to sign him. Jerry Reinsdorf makes Tom Ricketts look like Steve Cohen. Why why isn't he signed yet? Because the ask is too high. Oh, Okay, but it's 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 north of a hundred million dollars. The Cubs are real, realistically going to pay more than that. They have paid more than that. They've done it several times. You know what happened? They won a World Series. They won a World did Series. The, did the White Sox offer three hundred million dollars from Machado and Harper? They didn't offer enough. I didn't ask you that. They, I asked you they, whether they offered three hundred million dollars. They did and blinked. They blinked. Okay. The All Phillies right. made him blink on Harper. The Padres made him blink on Machado. There would, were reasons those, maybe extenuating circumstances. Two, all right, here's, here's, here's maybe a better question. And I'm really expecting a good answer, David, okay? So uh, if they spent that money on Harper and they spent that money on Machado, would they have won a World Series? Impossible to say, but you know what they would have won? Respect. That's what's lacking you, right now. you, right? Not yeah, for from, me. I, I, I'm not on an island here, Bruce. I'm not on, I'm not on anti-Jerry Reinsdorf a quest and a crusade that, I, that is a solo voice in the wilderness in Chicago. This is a consensus to most people who are reasonable looking at what he's not done. What he's not done has been willing to invest in a championship roster. And now he wants to ask the city for $1.2 billion, the state of Illinois, in subsidies to build a ballpark. Not okay, happening. I don't, I, don't, I don't see how one has anything to do with I the other. I see a connection. I don't see any connection whatsoever. One has to do with the Chicago White Sox franchise continuing to flourish in the city of Chicago and becoming one of the jewels of the city that it's really not at this particular point in time. Having a, a jewel of a ballpark, having new ownership, okay, which will be done in the next seven to ten years, okay, and, and having uh, that to sell to people outside of the city, having city pride in a new ballpark, in a new area that has rejuvenated the downtown area of Chicago. And I see an arrogant billionaire having the audacity to ask the public for money that he's not willing to spend on his own ball team, a ball, a baseball team and, and to win a championship. That, that takes some gall. He's not, he's not asking you. Uh, if you live in the city of Chicago like I do, David, he's not asking me to, to pay any more money. He's saying oh, there's, a, there's, a, there's taxes and there's bonds to be able to build this so that we Shell get game. the new ballpark, that he gets what, okay, call it what you want. The fact is, does Chicago win with a new ballpark in a new area that rejuvenates the downtown area, rejuvenates people to want to come back to Chicago and make, that, make us the city that we were 10 years ago? I do think it's a lot to ask. I think it's a bridge too far. And I just want to know what the White Sox have in it. What is their investment? Or is this all going to be financed I, through a loophole by the ISFA that Jerry Reinsdorf has taken advantage of for the I last care about, years? I care about two things. I care about the, the Chicago White Sox fans' experience and the city of Chicago. I'll leave it at that. And we will leave it at that for now, too, because we're going to shift gears and talk to Nico Horner from the Cubs. He joins us on Inside the Clubhouse when we come back. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score.